All right, you're listening to KILT and KILT HD2, an Odyssey station. Let's do it. It's a Friday version, the 8 at 8. The Ocho. One, one. Yep, here we go. One. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the Astros. Updates from Astros spring training. Two pitchers who are behind in their preparation. We'll start with JP France. Quick update. Threw off a mound yesterday. Uh, not many pitches, but he got up there and just kind of threw a, a few pitches and he played catch today and he he felt he felt he felt good. All right, so that's JP France. Here's the update on Justin Verlander. You know, JV is going to let us know when he's getting close to live EPs, but I thought his side yesterday went well. He woke up today feeling really good, um, so I am encouraged for where he's at right now. There you go. The two guys who are behind right now, both trending in the right direction. Yeah, and uh, with, with Verlander, I am not one bit married to opening day for him at all. That's I good. think that you got to keep the long... I don't know. Maybe that's the epitome of the mediocre attitude that's holding down the Astros, too. I, I feel like... Uh, feel like maybe that's why they've only won two World Series, mm-hmm. I guess, um, is that I feel like you should take your time with him and that you don't need him to be week one. And look, Verlander's, Verlander's not going to be rushed or hurried, and Espada's not going to try to rush or hurry him. So uh, if, if it, where's our panic meter for Verlander? Like how many weeks past opening day? That he gets back into the rotation? Like if he doesn't, like if we're, if we're not getting a – yeah, if we're like at opening day and they're not forecasting that he's going within how many days are we? Yeah, if he hasn't made his first start, I would say by like the th- like by boy, if he hasn't made his first start by like the last week of April, I'll be really worried. Okay, at that point, yeah. right? Season starts last that, weekend the big of March. Book of panic deadlines. Yes, yes, okay. big book of panic. Yeah, yeah. I think if he misses like you know like like two or three, four runs through the rotation, that would be it for me. Two. All right, number two, the Rockets, they lose last night. Nothing much changed over the All-Star break. They came back. They played the Pelicans. They didn't play much defense. They got blown out in the second half of this game. 127 to 105. Yeah, about the only good thing I could say is they got off to a little bit better of a start than they did before the All-Star break. Emeo Doka made no changes to the starting lineup. The the one that was, I think, set the most obvious one to make was move Jalen Green to the bench and put Amen Thompson into the starting lineup, even though you theoretically have two point guard, at least two point guard skill sets in the starting lineup. Amen Thompson makes stuff happen, man. He had 22 points last night. He makes winning plays. He's just, he might be a better basketball player right now overall than Jalen Green. Um, certainly the trajectory is moving better for Amen Thompson than it is for Jalen Green, but uh, very disappointing, and you've got five games now coming up here against a combination of the Suns and the Thunder, who are two of the two of the I would say two of the I mean they're by standings two of the five best teams in the Western Conference. You you, you may get your wake up call. On, yeah, they're at home on Friday at least. Mm-hmm. Um, they are five and twenty two on the road still. Dude, case, I hadn't checked in on the road record. In a while. I mean, it's still a vast improvement. Percentage wise than it was over the first. Are we part sure? Of the season. Oh, you know, over the first part of the like season, like over eleven or yeah. so. Yeah, oh my. yeah five, <laughs> five and twenty-two. Yeah, five and twenty-two on the road. That's crazy. All right, so Rockets back home tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Three. Three. All right. Um, I got to apply a correction here in uh, uh, in headlines. What'd you do. Uh, apparently, I said in um, headlines earlier that Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London had unfollowed Desmond Ritter on social media. Yeah, yeah, it's not true. I just uh, I just read the body of a tweet without looking at the pictures that were attached. Uh, I made that mistake. I wasn't the only one. You know what? That's your uh, the other attitude that's hard to shake with you is your trusting nature. I know. 
It's true. You see stuff, you see stuff on your phone, yeah. and you're like, oh. Yeah. No, it's, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, apparently, the pictures that were attached were somebody that was searching the word dog bleep. Yeah. And it turns out that Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London are not following dog bleep. So you, uh, it was a, it was a very. Was a they joke. weren't even trying to fool you, no. and they weren't trying to fool you with like a fake account or anything. It was just a joke about Desmond Ritter being dog. Yeah, bleep. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, so during the break, I asked, like, well, what account did you follow it from? Like, why did you think it was real? And you're like, there were pictures. There were pictures <laughs> that I didn't look at. <laughs> now, 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 now. Here is Justin Fields. Here is Justin Fields. On what he thinks of the Atlanta Falcons. You're from Georgia, right? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. What do you think about Atlanta? Like, you like you like Atlanta? Atlanta would be tough. I, the only con of going back home is just people hit my phone crazy. Yeah, you know, wanting tickets to the game. But I mean, uh, I think I think they got a lot of play playmakers on the team, and um, of course, Bijan. They got my boy Kyle, and then of course Drake too. Um, they probably need one more receiver. But um, they definitely got some guys over there. And their defense was good this year, yeah, too. They had a good so. defense last year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Last Jesse year and this year, yeah. Jesse went crazy this yeah. year. Oh, my God. Okay, so that was uh, that was Justin Fields on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. That was real because I saw it on video and Justin Fields' lips were moving. That was not AI. That was an actual interview, a real quote. I watched the video. <laughs> which do you remember uh, off the top of your head? Which receivers he mentioned? Uh, well, Drake I, just Drake London. He said Drake. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and Kyle and is Kyle a, is Kyle Pitts. You know, who's sort of a I, receiver. You know, he's tight they end. only have like two wide receivers on their roster yeah. right now that aren't free agents. So they need more than like they actually need. They literally need like five or six receivers. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it'd be a great place for a young quarterback who uh, still <laughs> yeah. actually made people feel great about him. Yep. Four. Um, this got some run yesterday. The Chiefs made a signing. Uh, they signed punter Matt Ariza. And for those of you who don't know who Matt Ariza is, he was uh, he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken, Seth. Drafted by the Bills a couple years yeah. ago. He was yeah. the he was one of the top punters to come out of college football. Over the course of the last several years, I think his nickname was the Punt God. He was he was very very good, and then all hell broke loose. He went to San Diego State, and he was accused of rape by a seventeen year old of raping a seventeen year old, being part of a rape of a seventeen year old. And the Bills immediately cut him. He's been out of football for the last couple of years, and in December the charges against him were dropped. Yeah. So now he's kind of getting his NFL life back, and he's he's going to the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a Pro Bowl punter and Tommy Townsend, who is probably going to leave in free agency, very expensively. Um, so they signed Matt Ariza, The Chiefs do, and Matt Ariza gets to kind of start over again with his NFL career. And to be clear, like the the way everything shook out was that um, Ariza was not present where this really like ugly crime occurred. Um, by by a multiple other yeah. perpetrators, uh, he wasn't present. He had been involved earlier in the evening, like not necessarily a bad. But so anyway, but it was a really bad, um, it was a really bad situation. And Arise's name was attached to it, and he actually did file the defamation suit against the the Jane Doe, which he later dropped. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's uh, 
I, look, I don't want to make light of this, and yet at the same time, this is one of those things where all these Swifties fans who are now Chiefs fans yeah. are going to all of a sudden like come into the Matt Ariza case without any of this background or anything. And I would imagine, I'm guessing that it's gotten already kind of like heated and uh, and uh, heated in some regards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that I, I think. The Sw- I don't. Th- I, I don't know that the Swifties know. Like the team they they're rooting for in the NFL probably yeah. skews to the far end of teams that are willing to take character risks on guys. And I'm not saying Matt Arise is a character risk. I'm saying they've taken chances on character yeah. risks many many times before. I don't. I'm not sure if they're completely aware of that. Five. Five. Um, speaking of Taylor Swift, and Travis, quick update: They were at the Sydney Zoo together yesterday. Seth, Travis flew to Sydney, Australia. To be with Taylor during the Australia leg of her Eras tour, mm-hmm. and um, they were spotted at the Sydney Zoo together. Where is the zoo on the Brandy and Seth scale of places to spend a day with one another? You uh, like the zoo? I would say December through March. Yeah, pretty high up there. Okay, rest of the year, hell no. Yeah, no, not too much concrete. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> it's just too hot. Uh, I would say I, I do like Animal Kingdom. Back when we lived in Florida, we used to go to Animal Kingdom a good chunk. The Disney as, Park as Animal Kingdom? That's where you get to, yeah, you stay right in the you stay right in the middle of all of the creatures and Yeah, you, oh, there. you stayed at the Yeah, we did that one time too. Like the giraffes yeah. come walking up to your hotel balcony and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Um, um so I yeah, it's it's up there. I like the zoo. I do too. I, I like, bet they were there. Now you got to go at dusk. You gotta go, or whenever they, whenever they actually are out and like feeding and everything, instead of lazing around like lazy bastards. Yeah, very lazy wildlife. Yep, very lazy. Yep, yep. Six. All right, six. Uh, the um, how about this? This is the top trending sports story on the Chronicle right now. FIFA is not going to allow the words NRG Stadium to be used during the World Cup in 2026. This is not. They're not isolating Houston. This is a, I guess, part of the deal of your city getting the World Cup is that you cannot use the sponsor names on your stadium. The end of the stadium, NRG Stadium, will simply be called Houston Stadium. Now, according to this article in the Chronicle, if the sponsors of the stadium want to come to FIFA directly and you know do some sort of deal, it sounds like FIFA's ears are open. But for now. Uh, and for the World Cup in 2026, you will be watching the games in uh, the very creatively named Houston Stadium. How do we fight back again? How does that this? make you feel? How do I, how feel, do I stand Seth? up for poor little NRG? How does that like, make uh, you feel? How do I? <laughs> how do I? How do I stand up right. for the the underdog, the massive energy company uh, that's paid a, a relative pittance in their minds, but still to to have their name on the on the stadium. Uh, I don't. They, uh, how do they get away with this? This actually does piss me off a little bit. Yeah. Well, how, how does FIFA? Uh, I guess the. I guess want- the places that are the sanctioned broadcasters aren't to use NRG Stadium. Like they're not to say here we are at NRG Stadium. That's exactly right. The, yeah, yeah, they're not allowed. But to. I, I, like, how do they enforce that? And then you realize, oh, okay, well, those networks have a deal with FIFA to broadcast. That I don't it. know. I don't know the enforcement. I just find it. I just find it interesting that that. I mean, clearly, all these cities. Signed up for like I if I look if I'm Houston I sign up for that too like if you go okay you got to explain some things to the good folks at NRG yeah. but the fact of the matter is if there's no World Cup in Houston then NRG is getting no mention of anything at all at that time of year at that stadium you know like at least NRG's gotten a bunch of mentions in the last ninety seconds on Payne and Pendergast.
Well, when it, when it was Reliant, Reliant had paid $300 million for 30 years. Okay. We so, got, and it got flipped over to NRG. When then the it got NRG. flipped to NRG. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, the math was... The math was harder than it should have 10 been. Ten million a year yeah. in my mind. Yeah, that was like I, that's how long it was taking me to do the math. Ten million dollars a year over the course of thirty years. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I actually am. Uh, I am. I, I am irate. I am online mad. <laughs> you are at FIFA right now, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, FIFA. You may have lost a fan. Okay. A lot of people say, "Oh, that's Seth Payne." That Seth Payne bleeds FIFA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. He's that guy is a diehard FIFA fan. Yep. That's what he sure is. He's got three tattoos of FIFA, probably. Oh yeah. Nobody's yep. bribed more FIFA officials than <laughs> Seth, Seth Payne. Payne. <laughs> not this money train. This money train is not uh, is not shuttling funds into your Swiss accounts it's anymore. Over. FIFA. Good for you, dirty Seth. bastards. It's over. Take away my energy company mm-hmm. stadium name. That's right. Seven. Um, I was rejoicing over this yesterday, man. Like I, I, I hate to, I hate to, you know, get super fired up and dance on the grave of somebody in the broadcasting industry because you never know when that could be, could be yourself, right? Yeah. But I'm just coming at this strictly as a fan of my alma mater and college football team, and as a someone who is anti nepotism to this degree. Jack Collinsworth, son of Chris Collinsworth, out. Thank God. As the Notre Dame play-by-play guy on NBC. Is FIFA involved in this? Yeah, if they were, you know, if they were, then I'm going to retroactively come at you for what you just said about FIFA. But Jack Collinsworth probably has a role in the broadcasting universe somewhere. You know, they like apparently they like him on some of the studio shows that he does and some of his Olympics coverage and things like that. He was so out of place as a play-by-play guy on major broadcasts, you know, on major you know games. You know who the other Nepo baby is in the Collinsworth family? The other, the other, one of his other sons runs pro football focus. Austin. Austin. Who, who played football at Notre Dame, by the way. Yeah. And he's, uh, now he's in charge of pro football focus. He's the CEO of pro football So whenever focus. you guys get upset about PFF, go ahead and direct it to Austin Collinsworth. Yes. Yeah. Find him. Send him email. Is there a better Nepo baby name than Collinsworth? Mm, pretty good. Pretty good. And Jack with, a, with no K. Jack I am a CEO. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yes, I prefer that you not refer to my former college football playing days. Yep. I like to. I earned this with my 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 superior intellect, yeah. not my football knowledge. Yeah. You know who John Lopez would not like? Cardinals Who's G. It? Cardinals GM Monty Asenfort. Does he have a mediocre attitude? Well, headline: Cardinals GM Monty Asenfort plans to spend in free agency, but warns of. The dangers of overspending. So, uh, yeah, the Arizona Cardinals—they took their salary cap lumps last year. They've got a—they've got a quarterback on a big-time quarterback contract. Um, I, I keep an eye on the Cardinals because this is the team the Texans traded up with in the Will Anderson trade. You know, it's an interesting fork in the road for me if they had taken Will Anderson. The Texans had not made that trade. Um, if the Cardinals didn't want to make the trade with the Texans, the world certainly looks a little different right now for the Texans. So I keep an eye on the Cardinals out of some interest. Austin Ford told the team's website, we're definitely going to be active in free agency. What does that mean? I can't spell it out for you now. I don't know what that means because we don't completely control that. There's a market and players we think are going to be available two weeks from now. Free agency is full of unknowns and there are dangers in free agency. You hear that, Lopez? Monty Austin Ford. 
Did he mention anything about like how you know we really got to nail free agency? Because honestly, <laughs> we thought we were going to have a pretty high pick from uh, the pick that cl- the the Texans gave us. They kind of screwed us over, didn't they? Yeah. I wonder what they thought that pick was going to be when they made the trade, right? You got to have a number in mind if you say yes to something like that. Mm-hmm. Like if they had a floor- or when you're insisting on it be uh, insisting on it being the Texans pick yes. instead of the Browns pick, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder like deep down what they felt that would be. So there you go, Monty Austinfort. He's part of the Pain and Pendergast army. He was uh, at, at various times. He was in the conversation for Texans GM. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he was with the. Te- he was a Texans employee at one point. I knew that. But but, uh, but actually, but not under Bill O'Brien. It was under Gary Kubiak uh, in that regime, I believe. Yeah. It was, uh, whatever it is, there's a New England connection and there's a Houston connection, but it's not what you think. Yeah. He he went from. Uh, he went from from I think from the Patriots to Arizona, or did he was he with Vrabel in Tennessee? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was with the Texans back. He was a scout with the Texans back in 2004 and 2005, and, and then, 2002 he was a personnel intern. Yep, with the uh, with the Texans. Yeah, so he was here right. for for three yeah. years, four years, um, and then with New England forever. Went to went to the Titans with Vrabel as the director of player personnel, and yeah, now Arizona, and there you go. So, so now everybody, you all know that, and just know yeah. that FIFA won't let him call this stadium NRG, NRG when he Stadium. Comes here. That's right. FIFA and, is trying to take your free speech away from you. And yeah. Sean doesn't click on pictures when he reports news. Let's just think about this, Sean. Mm. Our listeners, many of them, yeah. most of them, are paying several cents per annum to name the stadium NRG Stadium. And now FIFA is taking those hard-earned pennies dude, and dude. and saying like nope, nope. You. you know no, I don't care if you've already yeah. spent 1.7 pennies per year on this. The it's, protests yeah. are going to be ugly outside NRG Stadium in 2026. I can feel it no, in my bones. People are fiercely lo- loyal to their energy companies. See, they're fiercely loyal to yeah. sponsors of names on the side of stadiums, no question. Um all right, the Athletic did their beat writer mock draft. This was brought to my attention because an old friend tweeted about it. Um, an old friend from the Texans beat tweeted about it. If if what happens in this mock draft, if they, if there if this player falls yes. to where they fall in this mock draft, Nick Casario better be working the damn phones. We will tell you. Well, they'll make history if this happens. We will tell you the history they will make next. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. You, you, might have, uh, you might have poor shamed one of our listeners, Seth, uh, when you casually brought I don't know up poor shame's the right word. Staying at the a- Animal Kingdom. I'm just using his word. He said, we're peasants here. We can't afford that hotel. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you've got to remember, when I was, that was when I was an NFL football player living in Florida. My wife and I and the family, we would stay at Animal Kingdom a lot, mm-hmm. but that's different. Yeah, that's not it's not poor shaming that you're like don't I'm joking. stay twice a year at the Animal Kingdom. It's pricey at that hotel. Yeah. I can only guess what it I can only guess what it what it costs these days. Dude, oh yeah, I've been to Disney in the last year. It's pricey. It's pricey for sure. Um all right, so the athletic beat writer mock draft. The Athletic did a uh, mock draft with their beat writers. I noticed this yesterday, it popped up on my timeline because Brooks Cabina Tweeted Brooks, who is the athletic beat writer for the Eagles now. I had a long conversation text-wise te- on uh, text with Brooks yesterday. It was great catching up with him. Um, <laughs> Brooks tweeted like I couldn't find anybody who wanted me who would let me trade up with them in the athletic beat writer mock draft. <laughs> oh. he, he was working the phones <laughs> trying yeah. to trade up. There you go. Yeah, that's how. He, that's what happens when you know what Brooks Cabina. 
felt man when he left the Texans midseason to go up to cover the Eagles. It's kind of like, wow, man, boy, that's exciting. Yeah. You know, the Texans were still at that. I can't even remember what point it was, but it wasn't like the Texans had completely become darlings yet. And he was headed off up to, but he's, he's spent most of his time here in Houston since he was the beat writer for the athletic covering a whole lot of non-football nonsense and sub sub mediocrity on the football side of things. Uh, we were like, oh yeah, going up to the Eagles. That'll be fun. They're good. Right. Not since Brooks showed up, dude. The Texans won a playoff game and the Eagles did not. Yeah. Like I'll just put it that way. Like he, you know, like it, it's the script is flipped. So, um, so yeah, so that's how I saw this draft. Is Brooks tweeted about it yesterday? So I, I'm enjoying clicking on the mock drafts. It's not as intense as it was the last couple of years when the Texans have a top three pick, and especially last year when they were, we we had a pretty good idea that they were going to draft a quarterback. Um, in this particular draft, I'll get to I'll get to who the the Texans. Um, end up taking the 15th overall pick this is what I teased into the segment here. We'll get to who the Texans take in a second. Brock Bowers of Georgia drops to 15th overall in this draft. He's the yeah. all American tight end for Georgia. He's awesome. Like he's better than any of the tight ends that have come out the last several years. He is a game breaker. And I think the Texans, even if they bring back Dalton Schultz have a need at tight end. Hell, I start to fantasize about what Dalton Schultz and Brock Bowers out there maybe in some two tight end sets would look like. That would be a whole lot of fun. If he drops to 15, this is where, Seth, my the Will Anderson trade makes me feel like anything is possible in the draft with Nick Casario vibe kicks in. Yeah. If he's eight picks away from the Texans, Nick needs to be working. The Nick ain't afraid to trade up, man. That's a guy that I think is a super-duper difference maker for CJ and and to your point aligning him on the same timeline with CJ Stroud right. moving forward getting him on board that's where I, like my my strategy when we talk about okay the whole CJ Stroud effect versus D'Amico Pixie Dust or what have you I kind of like to feel I I feel like man the best strategy for this team is spending free agency on the defensive side of the ball, draft super talented kids with lots of upside uh, to, to have them grow along with C.J. Stroud on the offensive side of the ball. But the whole Brock Bowers thing is he's, he's hard to figure in mock drafts because like, I think a lot of people feel like, no, this dude could go really high, but there's so many teams in the top 10 that have needs that that like quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver, yeah. cornerback, that those are probably going to be the top ten, the, most of the, the top ten picks this year. Yep. Um, there's not a lot of teams up there that are like, okay, we're really in a position to take the best player available. So that's why people are thinking that Brock Byer, Brock Bowers might fall down into 13, 14, 15, 16. Are you with me on that? On the Brock Bowers yeah, thing? Yeah, I'd be very – yes, yes. I would very much like that. It would be because, exciting. Look, and look, he's not no, – no tight end is the perfect – candidate these years and he's not going to be he's not going to block like Gronkowski or anything like that um but in this offense especially I think that you know whether they keep Dalton Schultz or not but especially if they were if they were able to keep Dalton Schultz and and manage also having Brock Bowers I think that could be awesome dude and that's not trying to replicate what New England did or anything Mm -hmm. with their two tight ends it's just it's scary as hell to have two Viable tight ends, one of which is is really ethereally tant- talented, like yeah. Brock Bowers would be. And the tag, the price tag to move up, say eight to ten spots to go get Brock Bowers, is not going to be like in the same universe what they paid to get Will Anderson. 
You know, it's yeah. like, I don't. They're not going to have to. They're not going to trade next year's first. I wouldn't trade next year's first to do it. It's not a quarterback or a you know an elite defensive end we're talking about here. It's a pretty hefty. I mean, it's a but for a team that all of a sudden isn't flush with draft picks like we've grown accustomed to. We were we got used to having like all these draft picks in your back pocket. No, you're you exactly know? right. You're exactly right. No, it, it is a signal of where they feel they're similar to how if they go splurge on Mike Evans. I think if they start making moves like this in the draft, it's another indicator as to how they feel about probably the draft stuff. Probably how they feel about their core nucleus. Okay, we've got our set of young guys here that we think yeah. are our foundational guys. Uh, I got um, when you when you were teasing this, I was so focused in on who the Texans did take. In I this knew what you draft. meant. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You were talking. You were talking about Brock Bowers, yep. but I was just I was sitting here fixated on who the Texans were going to take at twenty third, and I was going to say that they were going to make history if they did this. And they and 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 if they do, this is a name that's very prominently tied to the Texans in the draft right now. The twenty third pick in the athletic mock. The athletic beat writer mock draft, the Houston Texans select Cooper DeJean, white cornerback from Iowa. <laughs> he's DeJean, by the way. Is he DeJean? Uh, I like yeah, the French yeah. version of it. He's very white. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah. DeJean. Uh, it's, it's Cooper DeJean, who would be the first white cornerback drafted in the first round of the draft since 1969. Okay, well, I feel like there was a different dynamic in the league back then. It's old so. Roger Worley. I know, yeah. honestly, I'm a little bit of, I'm a bit surprised that it goes back that long. I am too. I mean, it is the one position, like cornerback, like white players at cornerback, white starters at cornerback are an extreme rarity um, these days, but I don't, uh, oh, yeah. it's, it, it's always been pretty pronounced, I guess, but going back to 1969 since it, the last first Yeah, round, yeah. Here was, um, here was Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, of the NFL Network. He had his uh, media press conference, pre-combine press conference yesterday. We'll actually hear more from Jeremiah in the next segment. He had some really nice things to say about C.J. Stroud that we'll get to. Um, here's Jeremiah on mock-selected cornerback Cooper DeGene. I think he can play anywhere. Um, you know, that's one of the things I love about him is, uh, you know, it's you're drafting a big-time athlete who's just got, you know, he's got football instincts, he's got ball skills. You know, at corner, there's one just one little thing that just bothered me a little bit. I just think there's a little bit of a pause in his transition. But uh, you know, that's yeah, I'm probably nitpicking a little bit there. But I, I, to me, I I like the fact of having a guy that you could play. You know, he could play nickel, be kind of a big physical nickel. He could play as a high safety. Let him do that. So you know, I, I think you kind of sort it out. I, it's probably. I hate saying it this way, but you, you almost kind of sort it out when you get him there and see who you've got. He allows you almost like an offensive lineman that's versatile. He allows you to get your best, you know, five DBs on the field uh, because of uh, his versatility and athleticism to be able to play in any spot. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pigeonhole him into to, to corner nickel safety at this point in time. I'd say, hey, get him in there. I think he's somebody that's going to be able to learn everything. Hmm. Um, and and evaluate the rest of your roster and use them where you need to use them. So okay, the one little thing I was I was waiting for him to say this is this is one one little thing. He's white. He's white. Yeah. <laughs> I got Jason Seahorn out here. What the hell? <laughs> I listen, listen, Daniel Jeremiah. I can hear the code speak. Yeah, I hear the code talk. Mm. I was a white defensive tackle. Another another white. relative rarity. The white defensive tackle mm-hmm. in the NFL. Um, 
I, I had the talk coming out like, hey, Seth, you ever think about playing offensive line? Yeah. I'm like, no. Why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> Cooper DeGene. I can't tell you. Every single team I talk to, Seth, you ever think about playing guard? <laughs> that's interesting. Why, hmm. What, what why? brings that about? Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Cooper DeGene, uh, Jim Rat. So, yeah. Yeah, so when he's suggesting moving him to safety, I'm like, yeah, all right, Daniel. There Jeremiah. we go, yeah. No, no, but he was uh, – look, most scouts are actually pretty good these days about understanding that they've got – uh, they, they've got unconscious biases. So, like, when you come to somebody that doesn't quite fit the mold, you got to be like, all right, well, am I saying that this guy's not fluid in the hips because he's actually not fluid in the hips or because I'm picturing my Uncle Herb dancing at a wedding, okay? Like, am I <laughs> – is it, is it just because I so rarely see a cornerback who looks like this that I'm just assuming that without even thinking about it that he's got stiff hips? Am I applying my level of whiteness yes, to Cooper yes. DeGene? Yes. Right. Now, I, so I went into it that it was the same way watching Cooper DeGene, like, okay – you recognize that you might have like some unconscious bias here and try to be careful about it. And sure. Um, I do think he's not incredibly fluid in his hips. He does it. There's a little bit of a, like a herky jerkiness to him when he's trying to flip his hips. The big, di- the thing is though, that he's got the size to make up for it in press coverage. And he is, he's really fast and explosive. You know that the weird comp that I would make, if you're talking about fluidity or anything is Isaiah Pacheco. Think yeah. about like Isaiah Pacheco. Did you ever notice he doesn't really cut as much as he kind of like almost like a big track. He veers. Like almost like, he, yeah, like he, he, or he just turns and faces where he wants to go next yeah. and then he runs. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain, but I think a lot of people that know what I'm talking about. Um, DeGene's a little bit like that. It's almost like he like pivots and then goes and then pivots and goes. Is that more work? so than just making fluid cuts? Does but he's very he's got really good ball skills. Yeah. Um. He's a really good returner. Mm. I do when I'm watching him, I'm kind of like, man, this guy looks like he should have been a receiver. Except uh, you know, Iowa place known for never making any judgments on race. Uh, I, I feel like Iowa's like ah, he's not quite athletic enough to be a receiver. I guess not for us. I don't know. Best thing that ever happened to him, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be a first round. Pick. I don't know. I think he could have been a good receiver. Yeah. But. Um, text message. I hear Cooper is deceptively fast. <laughs> you know, I know the joke there, but honestly, no, it's not deceptive. Yeah, he's not even deceptively like, it's, fast. He's explosive. He's fast, fast. He, he runs through contact really well too, and that's a little bit where that like that Pacheco comparison comes into my mind, where he won't be like sleekly maneuvering through people or anything, but he'll kind of turn and hit an edge on somebody and run right through them. Yeah. Oh, and um, this is what I really like about him too, uh, against the run, which I know isn't a huge deal, but it's a big deal when you're a team that struggles to set the edge. Sometimes he's got a really good feel for using his proper leverage and containing run and doing all that stuff. Like, really, really good technique by college or NFL standards in that regard, which suggests that he's put some time and effort and work into it, so he's conscientious. I was like, I like looking for signs of conscientiousness. Like, guys that actually give a damn about doing the right thing, even if even if they're not going to get the tackle or anything. He does have that, so that's, uh, that's good. It looks like he's maybe herded cattle at some point in his life. For sure. Like, uh, is, he from, is he is he from Iowa originally? He was born in like the uh, one of the Dakotas, I think. Okay, yeah, it's like an annex of Iowa. Yeah, basically, it's crazy. So it's, there's like a seventy percent chance he worked on a farm. Oh, at some point. yeah, he's seventy. Sounds it's the conservative. best way to learn how to use proper leverage is to herd cattle. Daniel, Jerem- chase a, well, chasing a single a single young heifer. 
Like that's an actual heifer, way. not like a woman at a bar. But a young heifer <laughs> is uh, it's one of the most challenging things you can do. <laughs> Trying to get a heifer into a trailer yeah. with no fence uh, to, to line it up with. Under either definition of the heifer, yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, Daniel Jeremiah. We just heard from him talking about <laughs> Cooper DeGene. Had a summary. It's pretty easy to get a heifer into an RV. Frankly. Yeah, that's yeah. But, yeah. I, I may have been off on that. Um, C.J. Stroud. What did Jeremiah think? How did C.J. do in terms of living up to the scouting report Daniel Jeremiah had on him? And also thoughts on the running back position. And a lot of you out there want running backs. We will get to that next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Right, Payne and Pendergast, good to be with you. So Daniel Jeremiah, who we just heard from on potential Texans draft pick Cooper DeGene, Iowa cornerback, who I'm very intrigued by. Um, Daniel Jeremiah met with the, the media yesterday on a conference call in advance of the combine. Uh, he's former scout. I think one of the best when it comes to covering the draft and and uh, and so forth. Here was Daniel Jeremiah on C.J. Stroud. But with C.J., you know, I I knew he was a really gifted thrower. Like just re- the combine last year, I said it was as good a combine uh, session as I've ever seen from a quarterback. Always on balance, um, every type of throw, always using the amount of pace on the ball that's necessary, not more, not less. Um, it just he was he was outstanding as a thrower. I thought um, with him, you know, the, prior to the Georgia game, it was okay. Well, can he create? It's, you know, he's kind of a stationary guy. Can he create? Uses athleticism, and then the Georgia game showed you in that game absolutely he could do that. Um, but then outside of that, I to be able to play as fast as he has is I don't know that I've ever seen a rookie come in and see everything so clearly and play with just ultimate confidence i've never you know i don't know that i've seen a rookie do that and trusting what he sees like that so he to me um i, I don't know if if uh if anybody could predict that it would be that good that fast so uh that was you know congrats to the texans they hit an absolute home run um and like jeremiah is pretty transparent about this stuff it's not like uh I like some of these people that are acting like they all knew all, all along that cj stroud was better than bryce young um I think when when it comes to two of the things he talked about there, it's easy in hindsight to say, well, you should have known this or you should have known that. You know, CJ, the, the Ohio State offense was more advanced than people gave it credit for, which is, that is true. Like, I think there were a lot of people characterizing the Ohio State offense like it was this super simplified Clemson type of thing where it just flat out wasn't. CJ was doing more high-level college-type stuff when he got into the NFL. CJ has said that he was asked to do more at Ohio State his last year there than I, he was asked to do here his rookie year. Yeah, well, I think, um, which, you know, it can mean multiple different things. I think he had probably more responsibility for things than they wanted to really give him the keys to yet, mm-hmm. just yet on this. Like, pass protection will be the next big one for the Texans this year for him to get really proficient at, at recognizing blitz and setting pass protection and everything. Um, but yeah, you're no, it's a, it's a really good point, Sean. I think when it comes to him playing fast though, there's lots of guys that play either in a pro style system or in a more advanced system in college. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be able to function mentally like CJ did. And if you watch, if you, anybody listening who hasn't seen it, if you go watch the athletic YouTube channel, um, where Nate Tice breaks down a couple of plays with C.J. Stroud. <laughs> it's it's, fun. it, it's funny because Nate Tice, I heard him talk about it afterwards. It wasn't set up in advance or anything. Nate Tice just had a couple of plays 
And like CJ sits down and Nate Tice is like, Hey, let's look at these plays. CJ looks at it and it was like, Oh yep, uh, they were showing cover four or cover two. I thought it was gonna be cover four, but then like then he goes through it and and you and he as he talks through it, he talks about the multiple different things he had to check mentally as he's going through the progression, like both understanding what coverage they were shift the defense was shifting to thinking that it, that it meant one thing when then in fact when the middle linebacker uh jumped a different route then he had to change who he thought what what the coverage was again and it's all this stuff that like frankly guys like Trevor Lawrence aren't doing they flat out aren't doing and Trevor Lawrence has been in the league a couple of years now so 3 years now so um that part's really exciting that's the part that has so many quarterbacks and coaches and people are just kind of dumbfounded at what a level he's operating at as a rookie. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things about watching CJ this past year was it wasn't easy for him at first. Like he's not like a lot of times rookies come in and at other positions where you can just step in and let your physical skills take over. You go, Oh man, that guy's that dude. Like he's, you know, running back wide receiver, maybe some other positions. Quarterback is the ultimate cerebral position in all of team sports, probably. And, he it wasn't easy at first for him in camp. Remember how many plays there were where they're not allowed to tackle him because he got the red jersey on. Yeah. But how many plays there were where he just took off and ran, or he ended up holding the ball too long or whatever. And then even Seth, even his second pass professionally in a preseason game was an interception where they totally yeah. baited him, like they totally fooled him. And that was the crazy thing to me is like you watch him in camp and you can obviously see the arm talent. You can see the. You can see the reasons why he was taken second overall, but certainly there wasn't anything in camp that was going to indicate that what ended up happening was going to happen, that he'd have the greatest rookie season in the last 10 years. But by the Pittsburgh game, it started looking that way. Like That was cool. It's like you saw the trajectory, and it's normally a trajectory for quarterbacks where it starts happening in year two or something like that. This is happening for him in week four. you know what's you know what's cool about that first interception in the Patriots game was that defensive back had talked about it afterwards and I like I went and I looked I've I've watched like four different people break that play down and they were dead wrong on what it actually was they were acting like CJ just didn't read cover two correctly when in fact that safety was manned up on the tight end uh, and I think it was Dalton Schultz, Schultz but because yeah. because Dalton Schultz was lined up in the backfield the safety is like oh, all right I'm just gonna hang out back here and make it look like cover two. Um, and like, it's like, it's that type of stuff, like understanding and figuring that stuff out is the stuff that I feel like CJ is like by the end of the season, he had a lot of that dialed in and it's, it's, it's higher level stuff that you just, you can't tell from even watching the film necessarily. It's just, you got to know the tendencies and you got to know exactly how the defense is responding to your formation. He went and found that defensive back after the game too. CJ did. If I I remember correctly. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. That's another thing I think kind of sets him, and that's something that's so easy to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's well, like, yeah, you know, and you, well, your first, my first instinct would be like, ah, he's not going to tell me. But like, you don't, fu- you don't know dude, until you find until people you ask. Love yeah. to tell you how they just got over on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah they yes. love to. Could you please tell me how smart you are? Yeah. No, no, I don't want to tell you how I don't smart like doing I am. That. No. Yeah, I don't like doing that. <laughs> um, the running back position, I think, is something that a lot of Texan fans are focused on. Obviously, in free agency, but also. Um, in the draft. Now, last year, you had two running backs taken in the top 12 picks. Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs were gone by pick 12. Here's Daniel Jeremiah on this year's class of running backs. Yeah, I think day two is the is going to be the running back day. I'm curious to see. I, I'm a, 
I have a little bit of a theory here because I've, I've got about six to eight running backs that are very closely graded. I don't have any of them up to where we had Bijan or Gibbs last year, like with, with those types of grades. But six to eight really solid players. I, I wonder if we're going to see a game of chicken in the second round where teams are saying, well, we've got the grade to take this guy here, uh, but we don't want to be the first one in line. We just need to make sure we're not the last one in line. So uh, th- does that push the running backs down? Maybe we could get to you know the bottom of the second, maybe even the top of the third round. And then once the first one goes, I think you'll see all these guys uh, come off the board. That's lame. Like if you're a GM, like if you're a GM, like oh, I don't want to be the first one to take one of these guys. Like if you like a guy, take him. What the hell? That's a guy who was in an NFL wanna... personnel department too. Like people think this way. I mean, I obviously I don't people think this way. Yeah. I don't want to look desperate. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he was with the, I don't know though. He was with the Ravens, wasn't he? He like was. They yeah, they're kind of they're kind of good job. at what they do. I, they do, and they'll make a lot of unpopular moves. Right. So I think he's. Yeah, he's talking about other teams that yeah. wouldn't uh, that would be afraid For to sure. make an unpopular move. <laughs> yes, yeah. the, the the Ravens are the team that by far most adheres to taking the best player available yep. regardless of need, and it works works out. For him pretty well in terms of just staying steadily competitive. Yep. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that whole mentality of like, okay, well, if everybody's thinking that these guys are all going to fall into the second round, then maybe what'll happen is that they all fall into the third round. That's a dicey proposition if you really like. You like guy. a guy taking man. You like it now. Like there's, yeah. Jeremiah paints a much rosier picture of this running back class than John Harris did with us a couple of weeks ago. Oh, really? When Johnny was on with us from the Senior Bowl. Remember, he talked about how deep the wide receiver class is. And then I remember him saying, like, he thinks that the best running backs in this class, Johnny, if you're listening, I hope I'm not butchering what you said, but this is how I remember it, are like back end of day two, front end of day three, whereas Daniel Jeremiah's saying it could happen, like the run could happen in round two. Yeah, Johnny felt staunchly it sounded like it was a round three run at best with these running. But either way, Texans have a second, they got a third, they want a running back, there will be some there for him. You know, the funny th- some funny things are starting to happen in, with running backs in the running games in general in the NFL. Like with the Rams, you know, you think of the Rams. Okay, that's a Kubiak Shanahan type system, outside zone run and everything. They've actually started to lean way back more heavily towards gap scheme and man scheme stuff. Basically, because teams in adapting to the outside zone have gotten really light, and they put a lot of lighter, like just body weight, light, yeah. lighter personnel out there. And so teams are saying like, all right, we're going to run old school power and old school counter and just 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 try to destroy you little candy asses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's where I just I just wonder with Damian Pierce exactly how quick you should be to give up on him or trade him because he, as he told you and Clint, he had a really really hard time adapting to this scheme. Huge. You could see it on film on some of the zone runs. It was just really uncomfortable for him. But, man, um, there's still a place for him just lining up behind some road graders and just teeing off if you can get guys blocked up. I, it, it, he's just got to get to a point where he's good enough in the zone run that there's not tendencies. Yeah. You know? I think that's the problem is if teams are looking at Damian Pierce and they know which packages, which package of runs they're going to get because Damian Pierce is in the game, yep. then you become too predictable. But I just – I don't want to give up on him yet. No, I don't either. God, if he ever gets it, he'll be – he could be really dangerous in, this, in the system. Um, all right. The Texans, third place in the AFC South. That's the prediction of one prominent media member. Are we a little too rosy on our view of the Texans? I like the reality check sometimes. I love the Texans. I'm here for a reality check. Does this argument – Hold water. We will have that for you coming up next.